you would please turn the Bible to Malachi chapter three. We are just about done with the Minor Prophets, <clears throat> just about finished with the book of Malachi. That's where we're, that's where we're at. Today we're going to look at verses 6 through 12, and this is now the fifth uh, exchange between God and the people. We've seen this kind of rhythm, this pattern in the book of Malachi that God says something about the people, and they say, but how, God? How have we done that? They, they question God back. They make an excuse. They um, defend themselves. They are not humbled by it. That happens six times in the book of Malachi, and now we will see the, the fifth one. This passage today, Malachi 3, 6, is a huge passage, particularly the beginning of verse 6. There's a huge statement there and one that you need to know. In Malachi 3, 6, we have God himself saying, for I, the Lord, do not change. God does not change. There is a lot for us to consider in that statement. We're very familiar with change, right? People change, times change, the world changes, the weather in Kentucky changes, does it not? I remember after I'd lived here for a little bit and I made a comment about the weather, somebody said, if you don't like the, the weather here, just wait a day, it'll change. You've heard that comment before. We're familiar with change. We have here in Malachi 3, out of the mouth of the prophet, the word of God saying, I, the Lord, do not change. That's a big statement. If God is unable to change, that means that what he is he has always been. And that means that what he has always been, he will always be. And that means you and I must understand what he is. Maybe we will fail to understand all that is changing if we cannot base it off of all that that does not change. God is a rock. He is immovable. He is sure and he is the foundation. He is over and above all. He does not change. And in the lives that we live, which naturally bring questions, questions arise in our lives. We are always asking questions about scenarios, questions about ourselves, questions about the world, questions about people. We have questions. There are things that we aren't sure if we know or sure if we don't know. We, we, we have questions. It, to, it is to be a strengthening encouragement to us to know that the word of God says God does not change. One philosopher has said that God cannot change. For if he was to change, that would mean he was to get better or worse. And if he was to improve upon himself and get better, that would mean that what he was was not the very best thing of all. And if he is not the very best thing of all, then he is not God. And if he is able to get worse instead of better, then that would mean that he is not the very best thing of all anymore. And to be God is to be the very best thing of all. 
in having that simple philosophical uh, discussion, you can see why it is so important that God tells us he cannot change. He does not change. He is not able to change. You ever have one of those little uh, loose strings on your shirt and you thought I'm just gonna pull it? And you pulled it, next thing you know, it just kept pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. You ever done it so much that you've got like one sleeve missing now? One theologian has said that the God not changing doctrine is like that one. If you were to pull at that thread and say that God can change, if you were to believe that God can change, it is the thread that will pull loose all the threads. If God is changing, then perhaps he is really nothing worth being. God is constant. Josh Womble read from Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight today, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, being the second person of the Trinity, the second person in the Godhead, Jesus Christ, God's Son, does not change. God does not change. And so it's important that we embrace this, that we understand it. So read with me, if you will, at Malachi 3, beginning in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how? How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 12. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. What an interesting ending to our passage today that he speaks to the way the nations will observe the people who have turned back to God. For my first point today, I want you to hear what I've began with. Number one, God does not change. This is God's declaration to the people because the people are so wayward. They have been so disobedient and defiant to God. They have sinned against him, rebelled against him, and one would think God ought to do something to them. One commentator said, were it not for God's stubborn goodness, he would have already devoured these people. But because of God's inability to change, he is sticking to his original covenant to be merciful to these people, to bring it about that they would come to faith, that they would be his covenant people, that they would be his people, his nation, as he said that they would be. If God were like us, he would have already flown off in anger and busted these guys. But he is not like us in that regard. 
The Bible tells us this in a couple places. You don't have to turn there, but if you take notes, just listen to a couple of things. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. God is different from us in this way. God always, always, always tells the truth. He cannot not tell the truth. He always tells the truth. He cannot change his mind. He is different from us in that regard. We do know many ways that God is like us, but in this one where he does not change, He is different from us, greater, bigger, and we should be thankful for that. Isaiah 46 says this, remember this, and stand firm, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass, I have purposed and I will do it. The Bible in many, many, many places is showing us that God is this big, awesome God, creator. He is sovereign. He's in control. He has power. And in this way, he is bigger and better, more thorough, complete, more full, more honest, more consistent, more stable, more constant than we are. And he does not change. And he's declaring this here to the sinful, disobedient people of Israel. And it is a beautiful truth of doctrine that they are to learn about God, that because God doesn't change, he has not consumed them. He has not judged them. He has not devoured them and wiped them out. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. One commentator says that the people of Jacob, Malachi says, can count on God's mercy because there is no possibility that God will ever be other than God now is. If God is a merciful God who made a covenant with his people, then there is no way he will not be that covenant God. That's who he is. He does not change. He goes on to say this, for God to be God is to accomplish all that he purposes. There is only one being in the universe who gets his to-do list done every day. That is God, and there is no one like God. He does not change. If God does not change, he stays the same, then why do we see ourselves at times closer to him and not close to him? I remember several years ago when we had gone to the beach. We were out playing at the beach. You know how you do. You kind of set up little towels and chairs away from the ocean. And you go out there and play. And I remember, and if you've ever been to the beach before, the tide can be pretty strong, right? The current, and it can, it can move you down the beach. And I remember one time, we, my kids went out into the water. And about 10 or 15 minutes later, they were seriously like 200 yards down the beach. And when it's crowded, there are people everywhere. And I'm like, what are y'all doing all the way down there? Why are y'all so far away? I can't even see you. And they said, well, we didn't do it. We, we didn't swim down there. I said, well, you see where our chair is? Our chairs are the same place it was when we set it up. That chair didn't move. And they said, well, we weren't swimming that way. I said, well, that's the way the current works. 
If you're not paying attention to that chair that's not moving, you're moving. Whether you were trying to move that way or not, you're moving. And with this simple illustration, I want you to see God is like that chair on the, in the sand at the beach. He's not moving. But that person that's out there in the water is either focused on staying in line with the chair or is now drifting, drifting, drifting. And yes, some people will say, hey, I didn't realize that I was going so far away. I didn't realize I had gotten so far. In my years of doing pastoral ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say something to the effect of, I don't realize how far I've gotten away. I don't know how it happened that I've drifted this far. One preacher said that sin hardens the heart. And the heart that is hardened sins even more. Sin hardens your heart. And the hard heart or the hardened heart sins even more. And so what happens is this cycle of, I don't want to sin, but I did. My heart's hard. And because my heart's hard, now I'm okay with sinning more. And now because I'm okay with sinning more, my heart's getting harder and I'm further and further away from the things of God. And we need to ask ourselves in a situation like that with an honest assessment, that good look yourselves in the mirror type of thing. And we need to say, if, if, if I feel like I've gotten far away from God, who's moved? Haven't you heard that before? If, if, if you feel like you've distanced yourself from God or that there's a distance there, who's moved, who's changed, or what's changed? And the Bible wants us to know it is not God. God is not the one who has changed here. And he tells that to the people of Israel as a comfort to them. It is God's character, it is who he is that has kept them in this position, albeit an uncomfortable position where God is saying to them, you've been unfaithful to the faithful God. Number one, God does not change. But number two, listen to this, God calls us to change. He does. You need to be ready for this conversation. God calls us to change. Look what happens next in our passage. He says to, in verse seven, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. This isn't a one-time shortcoming. This is not, oh, they just sinned in this one way. They are a wayward people. They are a people who have gotten far from God and the group of them have gotten far from God. The community of them have gotten far from God. The people that they hang out with, they're far from God. The people that they spend their time with, they're far from God. They have gotten away from living in relationship with God. And that's very clear in verse seven. This goes way back, he says. But look what he says at the end of it. Return to me, and I will return to you. Folks, I know that there's a whole world of people out there speaking for God these days. And I want to ask you, if you will, please, let God speak for himself. There's a whole world of people out there with countless different motives, saying what they want God to say, let God speak for himself. To the people right here who have been very disobedient and wayward to him, they have been against him. They are questioning God as we are about to see for the fifth time. God with his merciful, passionate, compassionate, fatherly heart says, 
Return to me and I will return to you. God calls us to change. Let's keep reading. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But they answer back, how shall we return? And here's really what they're asking. What do you mean return? We haven't gone anywhere. Like my kids on the beach saying, we weren't swimming that way. I say, well, I don't know if you were meaning to swim that way or what, but I know that the chair's right here and y'all are way down there and that's a little bit too far. It's out of sight. Their answer to God is, what do you mean return to you, God? What do we need to return from? We haven't gone anywhere. And is that not, listen, is that not very, very similar to the attitude of our day where so many people will claim that they are believers in Christ or followers of Christ, and yet they are far from him and not walking in obedience or repentance, not desiring to change, not even thinking that they need to change. And so if somebody says you need to get right with God, they say, well, I don't really know how I'm wrong with God. What do I need to get right with? That's the very question that they ask. But nevertheless, we see that God calls them to change. So here goes this this interchange. How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. So God, while he could have gone in any direction on how they've gotten away from him, God goes directly to their giving. God goes directly to their tithing. He says, in your tithes and contributions, God wants his people to know That in the Old Testament where he taught them how to tithe and contribute to the ways of God and obedience to God, that by looking at them not taking that seriously and wanting to do what God has told them to do, that they are far from God. They're not walking in the ways of God. And yet, they seem to be thinking that that's not even on their radar. They haven't even considered That faithful, consistent, obedient living to God's ways is a measure of believing. It's a measure of faith. And they haven't even thought about that. What do you mean return to you, God? How can we return if we haven't even gotten away? They're not even sensitive to the ways that they've gotten away from God. And so what God is doing is he's calling them back. He says, return to me. So look what he says at verse nine. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. I point out often that God often escalates things. He makes it stronger than we typically would like it to be. We don't really like for the situation to get uncomfortable, but God is willing and God is okay with the situation becoming uncomfortable. He is. We don't like that in our conversations, but God's okay with it. And what it's doing is it's good for them. Look what he says. He says, you are robbing me. Matter of fact, the whole nation of you are robbing me. And therefore, you are cursed. Here's why the people of Israel are struggling the way they are. Here's why they're suffering the way that they are. Because they're not living faithful to God. They're not being obedient to him. And you can see this because God does not change. So what's he going to do about it? He calls them to change. Verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God says to them, return to me, 
Test me to see if I won't receive you. Test me to see if I won't accept you. This is neat. Neat that God says this. It's fascinating, if you will, really, because we tend to think about God as being not as personal as he is. But here we have him explaining his heart. Return to me and test me and see. You will see that I will accept you. It's awesome. This is the way God is. So secondly, I want us to hear that God calls us to change. He does not and will not, in this passage, allow for them to think that they are right with God and okay with God with this disobedience. That's not an option. They must take God seriously. They must address this issue that he's pointed out. They are wayward. They need to change. They are cursed. They are being disobedient. And because of that, God now calls them to change. God has not pushed them away. God has called them to repent. Church, it is the message of God today to every human being that is alive at all places that they need to turn to God. It is the message of God that every human being needs to turn to God. And it is never, and I mean never, the message that you're okay, just stay that way. It's not God's message. Now, I realize that we are a a big minority in that we believe wholeheartedly, affirmatively, that people should change. And I also realize that it is the common message and voice and, and reaction and response and excuse and defending of ourselves from the world and those people around us to say, I'm not changing. It's almost become a sense of pride and arrogance, a boast. I ain't changing for nobody, you've heard people say. People are proud that they're not changing. The only person who should be proud that he doesn't change is God. Us human beings must be a humble people who are able to admit, I need to be changing. We need to hear Philippians 1.6 that we are a work in progress. And the work in progress is that God is constantly changing us. As Jake preached last week here in Malachi, God is a refiner. God is sending us through the fire to refine us. We are a work in progress. We are the clay and God is the potter and he's working on us. We are changing. We should be changing. Any and all pushback of us saying, I'm not changing is foolish and it's prideful and it is a picture that you have gotten far from God. It's a picture that you're not listening to God. It's a picture that you're not returning back to God. The Bible teaches us that we should be living in a continual repentance. And so in the first point, when I talked about sin hardens the heart and the hard heart sins even more, the softened heart is the one who says, I need to turn back to God. I need to bow my knee. I need to seek the Lord. I need to ask God to forgive me. I need to repent. Oh, God, have mercy upon me. God, give me another chance. God, help me today. God, forgive me for saying that. Forgive me for thinking that. God, forgive me for doing that. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you for being with me always. Thank you for always being at work in my life, God. I need you, and I need you every day, and I need you every hour. I am not finished. I'm not stuck where I'm at, and I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. I want to be constantly returning to you, Jesus. And this is what he's calling them to. 
and he gives this beautiful answer, return to me and I will return to you. What a friend God is. What a family member God is. What a father God is that he calls us to change. But lastly, God does not change. God calls us to change, but God receives all who change. God receives all who change. Look at verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Look at verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. God, in the beginning of this passage, is getting on them for how they are questioning God. God says, you're robbing me, return to me. They say, why do we need to return to you? How are we robbing you? That's what they're asking back. And there's this exchange, this interaction of their obedience and, and, and distance from God, or disobedience and their distance from God. It's a bad scene. But just a few verses later, we have God saying, I'm for you. I'm going to take care of you. Any opposition to you, I will deal with. Any enemy coming against you, I will deal with. I will take care of you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will make sure your crops are growing. I will make sure your land is fruitful. I will make sure your life is blessed. Turn to me. And anybody that turns to him, he receives. In the very beginning of John's gospel, John chapter one, it says that Jesus came to earth to save us. But it says this, but many of them did not receive him. People are looking at Jesus and trying to decide if they want him, agree with him he's good enough for their lives. They're trying to decide if it's real enough, true enough, lasting enough, or helpful enough, beneficial enough, if it's really gonna make their life any better. They're looking at him that way, and they're trying to decide if they will receive him. And yet God says, for any that will turn from their sins in repentance, he will receive them. If you will accept that you need to change, you need to change for the better. That you need to turn from your wicked ways, turn from your sins, turn from your ungodliness, and turn to Christ, he will receive you. He even says here in our last verse that he will so receive them, this nation that robs God because they don't care about God and they don't listen to God, those people can turn into, listen to this, they can so change that the watching world and all the nations will call them blessed because their land is a delight. Think about that. We have already seen in the, in the Minor Prophets that the people whine that they are a laughing stock to the nations. 
right? We have already seen in the Minor Prophets that the people whine and complain that because of God and because of their ways and because of how bad their lives are going, the world mocks them, the other nations laugh at them, they don't take them seriously, therefore they don't take God seriously, all of that. And God here says, if you will return to me, I will return to you. I don't change, y'all need to change. As you change, I will receive you. And when you and I are in a relationship together, the world will see, the world will notice, and they will call you blessed. Our gospel message, where we connect all of this to the message of Christ, is very much so the same. Our sins have separated us from God and we need to turn to him. And only when we turn to him, turning our back on ourselves and needing to change, that we turn to God and say, God, I need you, then and only then does God receive us. It is only through Christ that God receives us. God accepts us when we confess our sins and we repent because of Jesus. Because of Jesus dying on the cross in our place, all of our sins can be forgiven. But we are only accepted by God when our sins are forgiven, and that comes through Christ. What a beautiful truth it is that we can go from verse six, God does not change, to just a few verses later, God receives all those who turn to him. What a beautiful truth it is when we hear God say, return to me and I will return to you. As our lives are busy and there's lots going on, church can become, listen, something that we just get in and get out of. Church can be something that we're involved with, but we're just so coming and going that we forget what the very core aspects of church are. Let me remind you from this passage here today that every one of us are a people who need God. We need God. We need God in our lives. We need God's help. We need God's mercy. We need his forgiveness. We need God to be the ruler over our lives. We need God to be our savior. We need God to be our salvation. How do you get him? The only way to get God is to turn to him. The only way to get God is to turn to him. Now, I wanna say one final thing. If one does not understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus, then you may, hear, you may be hearing me today thinking that I'm saying change and God will accept you. Do not hear me as saying change and God will accept you. That's not what God says. The Bible teaches us that God is the one who empowers the change. Hear me, God is the one who empowers the change. The Bible teaches us that as God is working in our hearts and lives, he is causing us to turn to him, and as we are turning to him in faith and repentance, his Holy Spirit literally comes to work in us to start changing us, that the real change that happens is done by God in us. And so, while we see in this passage God calling these people to change, you and I are to know that it is God who will do it. We have promise after promise after promise in the Bible of God saying, I will change their hearts. 
I will cause them to love me. I will cause them to want to obey me. So when you hear, listen to me, when you hear God calling you to change, you should be absolutely delighted, joyed, and strengthened that not only is he calling you to change, but he will empower you to change. As you feel in your heart and life, as you understand in your mind, I want to turn to Christ, know that it is the very power of God causing you to turn to Christ. The Bible says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repent. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God, listen, is not standing way over here, disappointed and frustrated by his people, asking them, this is not how I planned it would go. If y'all return to me, then we'll get this thing back in order. That's not the picture you and I are to envision. That's not what's happening. We have the God who doesn't change, sticking to his promises, calling them to return, we have the history of the Bible seeing God bringing people back to himself. We see God calling people to change as they trust in the unchangeable God and people are changing. One of the beautiful things about being a part of a church, one of the beautiful things, listen, about being a part of a church for a long time is you get to see people change, don't you? One of the beautiful things about Christianity is we see people change. There are a lot of people who used to be so against God, calloused to God, hard toward God, and we have seen God change them up, make their hearts soft, doing things that they would have never done years ago, saying things that they would have never said years ago, but God has changed now, if we're being honest, one of the heavier aspects of life and church life is that we've also seen people change for the worse, turn their backs on God. And when we see that, we are to be reminded of what he says here in verse six, I, the Lord, do not change. In closing here today, I want to ask you, are you changing? The Bible describes God as being the Bible describes us as becoming. Huge distinction there. God is being. Do you remember when Moses said, what's your name in Exodus? And God said, tell him I am. That's my name. I'm, I am. God is being. He does not change. You know what we are? We are becoming. We are a process of being made like Jesus. You know who's doing that? God is. Are you changing? Do you want to change? Are you still that person who asserts, I ain't changing for nobody? May God in his mercy work in us to return to God because God is there and he will receive us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Malachi chapter three and that you do not change. Well, we thank you, God, that you will receive us. Father, we pray this morning that any and all who need to return to you will. 
We pray this morning, God, for every one of us that we would continually be returning to you. Father, we pray that we would be honest about it. And God, this morning we are thankful that you do not change. What a comfort it is, what a certainty it is in the life of a human being that while so many things are constantly changing, you don't. Oh God, settle us down today with that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.